0: Good morning church. Good morning. We're reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 to 31. For consider your calling, brothers and sisters, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong and the insignificant things of the world and the despised God has chosen, the things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are, so that no human may boast before God. It is due to him that you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that just as it is written, let the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jean. We're we expecting this morning. Yes, yeah. We're we are expecting to hear from the Lord that we have eyes that see, ears that hear, and hearts that understand. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Pastor Chloe. Thank you for the reading, Jane. Praise God. Turn uh, in your Bibles, please. To we'll go to that reading, one Corinthians uh, three, one Corinthians one, and then um, if you've got one of these little blue things. Who's got a real Bible here today? Come on, put it up you've got a real Bible. Give those people a clap. <laughs> the rest of you can just tag these marks, you, you cheaters. <laughs> and uh, 1 Corinthians 3 we'll look at, and then we'll look at Philippians 3.14 as well, and we've got a bunch of others, but we, that will do. So 1 Corinthians 1 and 1 Corinthians 3 and then Philippians 3 as well. So we've been doing a series on how we can know... The will of God, I think this is week number 10, is it? And uh, we'll keep going till the Lord says to stop. Sometimes people say to me, you know, why don't we do this in church? And why don't we do that in church? And what they don't understand is I don't even get to do what I want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would have ended this like six ago. <laughs> I got all these series that I want to give, Lord. <laughs> uh, so how to know the will of God or how we can know the will of God. We, we can know the will of God. And we've covered an awful lot in the last 10 weeks, but there's a lot more we could go for another 20 or 30 weeks. But, um, you know, the first thing is to desire to know God's will. And Jesus said to the Pharisees, he said, if you actually want to know it, you will know it. And I love what David said, I delight to do thy will, O Lord. That's a good confession. I delight to do thy will, O Lord. Say this with me. I delight to know your will and to do your will. What higher calling could there be than to know that? It's a good confession. I love the ring of that. It does something in your heart. Doesn't it do something in your heart when you say that? You just stir it. "I delight to know thy will. I delight to do thy will." Praise God. That's what every father wants to hear from his two-year-old. <laughs> "I delight what do you want me to do, Daddy. Yeah, they do. Anyway, so um, 1 Corinthians 1, uh, we'll we'll jump back to that. Our core belief, what we do when we prepare a message is here, we we have what we call a core belief that we want to get across uh, in that sermon, that message, and this one's normally a one-liner. This is more like an elevator pitch, you know, the 15-second elevator pitches, but the core belief we're wanting to get across today, we felt the Lord and the Lord to get across today is God's will for our lives Can only be found in Christ, can only be found in Christ. Everything else we strive to do or even successfully do and achieve will ultimately be burnt up. It will not matter. It's only that which is done in Christ that will remain. I'm going to say that again. Sorry if I say it again? Please. Thank thank you. (laughs) Give that girl a promotion. God's will for our lives can only be found in Christ. Everything else we strive to do or even manage to do won't matter. In the end, it won't matter. The Bible says it will be burned up. And only that which we have done in Christ will remain. We need to be thankful for that. Because there's an awful lot of things that we could take into heaven which are pretty embarrassing. Aren't they? It's like I really don't want everyone to know about this. Well, we've got this promise that all those stuff ups, all those failures, all those our dreams and our ambitions, which weren't—they're going to be burned up anyway. You won't, you know. The Bible says some people will get into heaven, and all they'll have with them is the smell of smoke. (laughs) Let's let's trust God that we're going to take more than that into heaven. And if we make it our confession that we desire to know and we delight to do Thy will, I'm sure we will. The Apostle Paul in Philippians 3.14, he had this phrase. Philippians 3, he says... Um, well, I'm going to drop back a bit. Verse 10. Verse 7. Let's go back to Philippians 1. No, just joking. <laughs> Philippians 3.7. Whatever things were gained to me, and he's really covering a lot of what I just said then. Whatever things were gained to me, those things I've counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Now, you've got to remember, they were the good things. Now, a lot of us like surrendering the bad things, don't we? <laughs> yeah, but he's actually things, things that he counted as gain. He said, I've counted as loss for the sake of Christ, and I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ." for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And I count them as rubbish that I might gain Christ, and I might be found in Him, not not having a righteousness of my own which is derived from the law, but that which is through Christ, a righteousness that comes from God. So, uh, you know, I don't count this stack of things that I've done good and I've done bad. I don't weigh them up against each other and think, well, my righteous, I've, I've got my righteous meter. Who knows that in our flesh we have a righteous meter? All right, we have, oh, I've done more good than bad today, you know. Or oh, that, that person's done, you know. And, and that's why he, he said, I just give them both. I just shove them both. Count them as dung. He said, I throw them literally on the dung heap. And that's the condition he Gave that he might be found in Christ and then the condition he gave that he might have the power of his resurrection. Verse 10. That I might know him and the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his sufferings. And the fellowship of his sufferings. Being conformed to his death in order that I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained it. I haven't already become perfect but I press on. So that I may lay hold of that for which Christ laid hold of me you might think you found christ he found you you might you you we were lost we had no idea he came looking for us jesus said to his disciples you didn't choose me guys you may think you did you didn't choose me i chose you and he's laid hold of us for a mission, a purpose that we have in Christ. Then he goes on to say this Brethren, I do, not my guard, uh, uh, I do not regard myself, verse 13, of having laid hold of it yet. One thing I do, forgetting the things that lay behind, I strive and I reach forward to what lays ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward calling, some translations say the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Every one of us, you, me, even the person next to you, has an upward call or a high call on their life, a purpose or a plan that God has for you in Christ Jesus. There's a lot of other calls we have. Everywhere you go, they're calling. The local sports clubs calling, the RSL's calling, the the uh, football on Saturday night on TV's calling. Everything is making demands on our life, but we have a high calling that is higher because it's more important. It's of more uh, dignity. It's of more purpose. It's of more eternal weight and value than anything else the world can place upon us. And Paul, the apostle, Paul said he laid everything aside to find that high calling. I was uh, sitting out there preparing, praying, and preparing for this this morning. And the cleaner walked. In. His name's Richard. Hi, Richard, if you're watching. He walks out from one of the offices there, and I said, said, "Hi." He said, "Hi," and he started to chat, and we chatted for a while. And he said, "He said, I'm religious." I've got faith. All of a sudden, he started to realize there's something more important even than cleaning, which is exceedingly important. But there was a higher calling on his life. He said, I used to work or, or minister or, or used to work in the prisons. He said, and I would take the, uh, the prayer book. And I said, is that Anglican or is Catholic? He said, no, he's Presbyterian. He take the prayer book in to the prisoners and two of them, he said, got saved. Two of them, one of them was both of them were multi-multi murderers. One of them was the Brisbane axe murderer. Has anyone heard of the Brisbane axe murderer? I haven't. I'm certainly glad I haven't met him. <laughs> and he pulled uh, Richard pulled out this cross, and he showed it to me. He said, and he said, sometimes later, the the, the Brisbane axe murderer made me this cross and said, thank you. How good is that? To have a higher calling. To have this higher calling on our life. And whether if you're a parent, your calling is to raise those children in the love and admonition of the Lord so they'll grow up to love Him and serve Him. That's a ministry. And if God's got you in a place of work, there's a ministry there. Not everyone's a five-fold ministry, pastor, preacher. uh, But everyone has a higher calling, a destiny for their life. So in 1 Corinthians, uh, 1, uh, 1 Corinthians 1, the verses that Jane read to us, Paul says this, he says, For consider your calling. Consider where you've come from. Consider where Jesus has brought you from. He says, uh, There are not many wise amongst you. There's not many wise amongst us. Now, just look straight ahead. I know you're tempted to look and nudge the person next to you. There's not many wise amongst you, not many professors amongst you. All right? Not many PhDs. There may be a couple, uh, but not many wise, according to the world, amongst you. There's not many that are noble. God has chosen the foolish of this world to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of this world to shame the things that are strong. The base things of the world, God has chosen. Now you realize He's talking about you all there, foolish, base. <laughs> that's us, you know. That's us, you know. But but that's who we were before Christ. And God chose us, us, the very ordinary ones amongst us. Now, I have to admit, I mean, I do feel sorry for other churches because I think we've got the best-looking church. I think you're all pretty good-looking, you know? Now, you're not at all as good-looking as my grandson, but that would be an unfair comparison. But you're all good-looking. And you're sharp and you're smooth. But most of us have got that in Christ. Who knows that we look a lot better in Christ than out of Christ? You know, we, we look a lot, you know, if we can see ourselves how God sees us and how we should see us, we're a lot better looking in Jesus than we are out. of. So these base things, these foolish things, that's, that's y'all, that's before. In Christ, we're good looking. We're sharp, we're smooth, we're good looking, we're gifted, we're talented, we're called, we've got a purpose in Christ. So much so, you know... We are so different to what we were before we were saved that God had to write all these epistles to introduce us to ourselves. I'm going to say that again. We are so different in Christ than what we were before we were saved that he had to write all these things so that we could just introduce ourselves to ourselves. He says, this is who you really are. Right? You may think you were this, and he goes on to say this in Christ we have redemption, righteousness, sanctification, and something else. There's four of them. <laughs> We'll get to that. But we're so different that he said, I'm going to have to introduce you to who you really are. It's going to take some time to forget that you're not the base any longer. He said, consider where you were called from. You were the base. You were the foolishest. You were the noble. Now we're the precious. Now we're the wise. That's the fourth one, wisdom. Now we are wise. Now we are noble. We can walk around. Hold our heads up high. Because we aren't who we were. We're so different that God's had to introduce the old man to the new man. says, stop thinking of yourself like that. This is who you are. Hallelujah. I'm glad I'm not now who I was before I was saved. I'm not even now who I was yesterday because the Lord's mercies are new every morning. (laughs) Don't put your hand up. Did anyone lose it? Did anyone have a little flesh out yesterday? <laughs> I did. I was going to prepare for this. I couldn't. I had to sit down and listen to worship music for a couple of hours. <laughs> You hours. Know? We're well, not even that because the Lord's mercies are new every morning. And, and he, he's serious about this. He said, it's, it's going to take so long for you. You're going to need to pray. That God's got to open your eyes to who you really are in Christ. Who you really are because it's not who you think you are, it's bigger. It's stronger, it's more wise, it's more noble in Christ. In fact, God made in Christ post-resurrection, His dream for who you are to be. If you don't believe me, read the Bible. In 1 John 4:17, I'm probably jumping around a bit here, but that's all right. 1 John 4:17. The Apostle John, the Apostle John, who is a 16, year old lay, slept at night on Jesus' chest. He slept to the beat of his heartbeat. He says 1 John 4, 17, he says, "In this love is perfected in us. God's love is made perfect or made mature in you. And we have confidence in the day of judgment. Now, the day of judgment, there's big days of judgment. Ultimate day of judgment, when Christ returns, the world will be judged, everyone will be judged, one way or another. But then there's days of judgment now, where, you know, who knows, we we often meet the consequence of our actions. That's a day of judgment. We often put our foot in it, and things happen, that's a day of judgment. That's a day or a time when the consequences of our actions come back to bite us. He says we can have confidence in that day of judgment because now look, I'm sorry, I've looked this up in the Greek. It says exactly what I would like it to say something that's a little bit more palatable, but this is what it says or a little bit easier. It says because as he is, not was, not pre-cross, not pre-cross. I mean, he was an example to us, like, like we talked about last week. In some things, he was an example. In other things, he was a substitute. But the Apostle John, through the Holy Spirit, who slept on Jesus' head, who knew him and saw him post-resurrection, says, We have confidence whenever we're facing tests and trials, because as he is now, so are we in the world. Whew! I reckon a few people need to be getting up and running like that. As he is now, so we are in this world. That's what James was talking about when he says the scriptures are for you to look in the mirror and see who you really are. And we have no purpose, no destiny in life, no will at all of God in our life outside of Christ. And we're to look in that and see who we are. The Apostle Holy Spirit through the Apostle James says, look in the Word. Find out who you are. And don't be the foolish person that goes, ah, oh, Scripture says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? You slap yourself in the face. Go back and look at the Word. And let's, let's do something revolutionary today. Let's just decide that God's Word is true. And we're just going to act as if it's true. He really knows. But there is uh, that, na- that tendency to say that is too good to be true. I'm just going to go. What am I going to do? We have our little pity parties. I like pity parties. I like, I, I like to feel sorry for myself sometimes. You know, it, just, it just softens. You get that little self-righteousness. No one loves me. I think I'm going to go eat some mud. You know, as a kid, you go out, you know, some sticks and mud, you know. No, he says, you are so different now in Christ. He had to write, read Ephesians, go through the scriptures, and everywhere it says, in Christ, that's for you. And it's staggering. So he says here in 1 Corinthians 30, uh, 1 Corinthians 1.30, he says, but all this has happened... From God, you are by His doing. You are in Christ. He has become to us wisdom. That's why, you know, pray in the Holy Ghost, read the Bible. You'll be a lot. You'll look smart. All of a sudden, you start making smart decisions. People, where did they get that wisdom from? It's from God. No, I'm just wise. No, we can't can't boast. God showed me. He has become to you wisdom. He has become to you. Righteousness, So it's not this way up, what I did good, what I did bad. You, you, you can't be righteous by what you do or what you didn't do. He has become righteousness to us. And sanctification, it's a big word. But it basically means getting your act together in life. Doing what God's called you to do. Living like who you are. Walking tall because you've looked in that mirror this morning and said, this is who I am. I'm going to walk sanctified. In Christ, he has become my sanctification. And then there's this word. I love this word. You can tell I love this word. The Holy Spirit told us to name a church after it. We actually license this word. We've got the copyright for it. We just loan it to the Lutherans. <laughs> they don't know it. <laughs> but it says, we, and he has become our redemption. What that means, folks, is all the stuff-ups of yesterday, the failures of today, and the times we stumble tomorrow are all covered under His blood. We've even got, you know, 1 John 1.9. We say about our sin what He says about our sins. If we confess about our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. We are forgiven because we say they're under the blood. We reject them. We repent of them. Repent just means, oh, that I blew that there. I don't want to blow it anymore. I changed my mind about that." All right. He has become our redemption. That means, in Christ, who we are in Christ is not dependent on who we were before Christ, or last year, or last month. It doesn't even depend how we blow it today. It doesn't depend the times. Doesn't even depend on the times we stumble in the future. He has become our Redemption. He has redeemed it. Now I know some of you are all pretty bad sinners. I know some of you all stuffed it up a few times. But you'd have to be pretty arrogant to think your sin is more powerful than the blood of Jesus. Uh-huh. So, you know, don't go around thinking, well, maybe I, he's not my redemption. Like, I can, I can forgive the swearing and this, that, and the other, the little trap. But this, no, 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 no. How prideful is it to think that his Blood wasn't strong enough to wash that away. And we have to claim it. He has become my redemption. We blow it during the day. He's become my redemption. (laughs) We think we're going to blow it tomorrow. He's become my redemption. (laughs) He's become our redemption. Praise God. So we look a whole lot better than we are in Christ. Than we are out of Christ. Really, if you're not impressed by how you look now. Like, really, you should get up in the morning, have a good Holy Spirit, look at me, I look good. I look good, you know. They say that's the difference between men and women, is that men can put on 30 or 40 kilograms, get a beer gut, wear the, the shorts and thongs and walk past the, the, walk past the window in the shopping mall and go, I look good. That's because we're spiritual. We see the inner man. We see, the inner man, you ladies, you're kind of worried about the colour. We know we just look good, don't we, Siro? Look at him. He looks good. Say, Siro, you look good. Well, if we don't think we look good in Christ, that's because we never met Christ. And we never met who we are now in Christ. Our destiny, as far as God's concerned, His will for us is totally encapsulated in who we are in Christ. His plans, His purposes, His identity. He's not going to give us anything outside of who we are in Christ. And go through the Bible and highlight, In Christ, I am this. In Christ, I am that. And if you feel like you don't deserve it, just go back and say, Oh, He's become my redemption. That's good. He's redeemed me. Praise God. It says in uh, Colossians 2, 9 and 10, flip there. We have some people that do watch this afterwards and watch it from Brisbane. And they say we rush through our scriptures too much. So Colossians 2, verse 9 and 10 says, In him... Verse 9, in him the fullness, in him the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form. In him you have been made complete. Not will be made. You are already made complete. That's why the Bible, we talked about it last week, that the Bible so often doesn't say you know, get, you've got to get faith, you've got to work faith, you've got to get faith, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. It actually says, find out who you are. Find out who you really are. And then let it roar. Ah, ah. Look at yourself in the mirror. Say, so I'm looking good. I'm the redeemed of the Lord. And your flesh, what's that, don't be so so vain. That's not vanity, it's humility. It's vanity to think that somehow your failings can be stronger than what God's called you. They will be if you let them. It's humility to say, I am who God says I am. Praise God. We are complete in Him. We are redeemed. He is our wisdom, our righteousness, our sanctification, and He is our redemption. That means our past failings can't derail God's will for our lives the only person that can derail is that the devil can't do it the world can't do it it's just us believing lies that can do it that's the only thing he's our redemption you don't know how I failed pastor Grant you don't know how I failed I don't want to look at that camera Linda's looking you don't know how I failed, but he's become my redemption. Paul talks about the high calling in Colossians, sorry, Philippians 3. And that means there's a lot of other callings that we can have in our life that are outside of Christ, what He's called us to do. But to know the will of God, we need to lay aside those things and live in His high calling, His plans. His purposes. We all admired, or uh, well, I, I, I haven't never seen a groundswelling of, not so much grief, but love and grief and appreciation this week when uh, Queen Elizabeth died. I grew up as she was my queen, and we've got, do you know she's your queen too? Oh yeah. Canadian, oh yeah, oh yeah. And Singapore? True? Yeah. Not America. You guys left the boat early in the peace. Went your own way. She was our queen. I grew up, the national anthem was God Save Our Gracious Queen. It sounds different now. God Save Our Gracious King. Doesn't that sound different? But that was our national anthem. And growing up, uh, you know, we used to sing in primary school that song. I used to sing, there will always be in England, English shall be free. If England means as much to you as England means to me. That were the songs we sang in primary school. you know, And we had our strawberry milk as well. Who remembers the strawberry milk? We had our strawberry milk as well. But, we, but the thing that impresses most people is here's a lady with, combined with her faith, and she was overt in her faith. Knew that she had a purpose in life, and she committed to live it. We have a purpose. We can carry ourselves. There's not many, there was not many noble, but the implication is you're noble now. You're important now. When you walk out there this afternoon, when you walk into that shop, when you walk into that place of work, it's Jesus walking in there. It's him walking in there. Your hands are His hands. Your smile is His smile. Let your words be His. You're noble now. You're wise now. You have a high calling. Let's live on that high calling. Let's not be rocking around in the dirt thinking, what am I going to do? What am I going to do with my career? What am I going to do? We've got a high calling. Many years ago, I was working in a private school down in Canberra, and I had a middle management position. The principal called me in and said, we're thinking of starting... At a primary school, and I was actually primary trained. He said, would you like, we're thinking of you to head it up. And that's an offer. And uh, I said, can I come back? I went away for a couple of days and prayed about it, and that was a good offer. It's a good school. It's probably the most elite school in the ACT now. And I realized I had a call that was other than that. And it would have looked, <laughs> it probably looked foolish to give that up to go to Bible college. Sell your house, cash in your superannuation. But it's a higher calling. And we all have that calling. And it starts with the simple, it starts with the simple steps. I can remember as a kid, my dad taking us uh, to Mount Warning. Uh, this is that Mount Warning just across the border there in New South Wales, and we we're going to climb Mount Warning. And you see this path go <laughs> up like that. You don't realise I probably wouldn't have never have done it if I realised that the last few hundred metres are like that. In fact, they're so steep it goes over backwards. You know, you got to. Yeah, you and you know, So you, 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 this word "high calling" means higher, more elevated, more important. Who knows? The higher you get, though, the better view you get the better understanding you have of what's around you. And I can remember taking those first few steps and it starts to get steeper and my dad would go, come on, come on, Mark, my older brother, come on, Grant, let's go, let's go. And you just put one, some mornings, doesn't it, Pastor Globe? it feels like you just, <laughs> we're going to put one, more, one step in front of the other. But it gets higher and you get faithful guys in the small things, faithful in what God puts in front of you. And God puts in front of you things. If you don't think He has, then catch up with Pastor Chloe or Margaret. I'm sure we'll give you some things to do. <laughs> we laugh, but that's it. The finishing Bible college, they said, do what's put in front of you. Uh, Brother Hagan, who we trained under, said, all these people wanting big ministries and they're waiting for the big call to come and speak in the conference. conference. Go, go and lead that Bible study. Get on the corner. Do something. Do kids' church. And you take that step and you're faithful in that step. You've got a higher calling. Jesus said, if you're faithful in that, I can trust you some more. And we step up and we step up. We're faithful in that. We're committed to it. We prosper in it. we commit it to the Lord. God sees. We see. God sees. He'll give you more and more. And you climb up Mount Warning and you climb up. You get another step and you get a bit of a view and think, God's got more for me. And we stop living down there in the car park with the gravel and the and the fumes, and we start getting, like Paul said, we start getting this higher calling, this greater calling that's on each of our lives, which is in Christ Jesus. We're faithful in that little thing. I can remember my salvation when the young person passes leader. There's like five or six snotty nosed seven year olds lining up, and he knelt down beside me and he put his name. He, he's, I know his name, he was young persons leader, uh, Moss was his last name. He put his arm around me and he explained, I can, I can remember that. Billy Graham said, I remember the most important influence in my life was my Sunday school teacher. There's no greater ministry than what, what's going on there. What's going on there? We we, we think, we we just judge things from a worldly point of view. You're a mum. You're a beautiful mum. You're doing a wonderful job. You're a dad. You're doing a wonderful job. I know it's hard, but it's a calling. There's grace for it. It's a high calling. Don't belittle what God's called you to do. Esteem God's purposes and plans for your life. Esteem his dream for your life. Press towards the higher calling. Press forward. And I just think of Richard out there, the cleaner. I mean, cleaning's important, and cleaning's good, and we're not to demean anything like that. However, there's a higher calling on his life, and he knows his eyes twinkled as he told me how he met with these prisoners, and he shared with them from the prayer book, the Presbyterian you know, God's busy and working when he can save someone through a Presbyterian prayer book. Really? That's good. And he can and he will. And It's the Brisbane axe murderer. And the Brisbane axe murderer is going, might be standing beside you in heaven. Aren't you glad that things got burnt off like axes before he got there? Because we have a call. We have a high calling. What we have in Christ is the only thing that matters. God's will for our life can only be found in Christ. Who we are in Christ, His plans and purposes, that's His will. That's His will. And that's where you'll prosper. That's where your business will prosper. That's where your family will prosper. That's where your life will prosper. God's not interested in taking money away from you. He's interested in giving you money. Because money is influence. Don't get mad at me. People left this church because I said, God wants you rich. And then I explained what rich was. I don't think they heard that bit. Rich is having everything you need and enough to give away. And God's not going to take your children from you. God's going to give you bigger better dreams. And you take a step up and you get to the next level up Mount Warning and you go, look how far God's taken me because I've esteemed his dream. I've looked in the mirror every morning and I say, I'm good looking. I've got a purpose. I'm getting out there. I'm going to be faithful in what God's done for me. God almost never, like I said, my dad didn't tell me about that last 100 meters. Who's climbed Mount Warning? It's like the steps get steeper and steeper and there's a chain and, you know, I'm seven or eight climbing. He doesn't tell you that bit, but there's grace for it when you get to it. And you'll never get to that higher calling unless you're faithful at this calling and then that calling. And when it gets tough and your flesh says, I'm going to give in. You don't give in. You realize it's his grace. I love what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. He says this. He says, Jesus appeared, to, he appeared first to Peter and then he lists through and the 500 Apostles. The last of all, he appeared to me as someone untimely born and the least deserving of the Apostles because he was a murderer. I pray that every morning because I know I don't deserve the call or gift of God in my life. He says, but I, I do it. He says, but not me. He says, the grace of God in me. And so we claim the grace of God to be a parent. We claim the grace of God for business. We claim the grace of God for his calling. Because we know that there is no eternal purpose. There's no eternal purpose outside of the, who we are in Christ and his plans for us in Christ. If we want to know, let's play that second song. We want to know God's will for our life. Have a look in the mirror of God's Word and find out who we are in Christ and act as though it's true.